How you feeling? Uh, up and down. <laughs> up and down. Up and down? Yeah. That's good. Yeah, up and down. It's good to be up and down. Better than being flatlined. <laughs> Why did I hear this? <laughs> Way to put that visual in my head. <laughs> that's what it is. That's what it is. Oh my god, that's funny. <laughs> You're listening to the Derek Asante Podcast, the show that brings you insightful conversations about everyday topics. I just aim to keep the discussion above the average. My guests are the ones bringing the social proof to the conversation. Let's get into it. I'm your host, Derek Asante, and today we're spending a very, 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 very important some time, some quality time with a special friend of mine. Someone I've known for a very long time, and I'm proud to say that they are more than just a friend, but I call a sister from another mother. Our guest today is not only an established poet, she is a self-published author, a coach in every aspect of the role. She not only trains athletes of all ages, she also helps others with their journey of self-discovery. Please help me welcome my friend and sister, Angelita S.B. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Welcome to you as well. Welcome to you as well. Where do we start? There's quite a long history between us. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> yep. What I'm, what I'm hoping to capture tonight is, through this conversation, I want to capture a little bit of who you are, because I know I can't capture everything of who you are in this one conversation, and I'm sure there'll be many more, but I want to give a snapshot of those areas that I mentioned a little bit, and of course, who you are as an individual. Uh, And the reason behind it is because these conversations that I want to have on the show is really to try and give some gems for someone who's listening, whether young or an adult, um, and that they can take away from, right? I, I want it to feel like it's, it's something that almost any one of us can kind of experience. And obviously it's your story and your story is unique to you, but even though it's unique to you, it's very common in different ways and how it shows up. And our, uh, you know, through our experiences, our challenges, how those things show up in everybody else's lives. And really, I guess the ultimate goal for me is to see if I can get people to recognize those things in their own situations and maybe take some of your lessons and decisions that you made and apply it to their situation. And hopefully it gets them moving forward. Right. So that's that's what I'm hoping to capture. (laughs) <laughs> and that's that's pretty much what it's about being able to pick from other areas of life so I don't see it no other way right so I'm going to open with this quote and I want you to tell me what goes through your mind as soon as you hear this quote okay Okay. this, this quote is by uh, Chris Jamie I, I'm hoping that I'm pronouncing the name right but 
They said, if you're waiting until you feel talented enough to make it, you'll never make it. What goes to my mind is my personal experience where I was waiting for somebody to believe in me more than I ever believed in myself. So that even goes back to what you kicked off with. How can you relate, make something relatable naturally? So waiting for somebody and the idea that you'll never make it, it's almost as if you'll get somewhere and you won't even be able to embrace the roses. So the whole point is stop waiting for someone to see you before you see yourself. That's, that's very interesting. So we're going to get back to that um, okay. as the conversation goes on. It's, it's going to be one of those things where we're going to revisit. Because I think you just nailed it as far as it being a part of your story. Yep. Yep, indeed. You know, so we'll, we'll, you'll see it come through in the conversation as we go ahead, because a lot of your experience is what I want to keep tapping back into. First, I want to go back. How far back do we go? Whew. Huh. I, I, I know it's, it's 30 plus, but oh I don't necessarily want to say 30 plus because that makes us sound like we're super old. I know, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. And it's, it's fascinating how it just flew by. So, wow, I guess we can go anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. No time on it. Cause that's just a state of mind. Right. Right. But, um, and anywhere. Cause when I think of far back, all I can hear is that little voice at the top of the step. Derek, Derek. <laughs> yes, Asia. Oh my gosh. Derek. Yes, mom. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. Wow. And when Yorkdale had, when Indiglo had the glass where you could look outside and people watch. Right, and right, right. So. <laughs> That's crazy. That's that's a lot, but I'm I'm proud though. I'm proud to know that it's been that long. Um, yeah, you know that. So so for our listeners, that's that's a little bit of a history there. The person that she was impersonating was actually my niece um, when she was a toddler. You know, yeah. and so just just so we can bring you inside on that inside joke there, but um, that's where that comes from. Now. I want to know which talent did you discover first? Was it poetry? Was it basketball? Um, or the ability to connect with people? You know, at first I thought it was basketball because it's easier for me to say that in a sense where I started playing basketball so early, I say it was about grade one. But with that being said, while I was doing that, I was making connections such as friends and such as some people who were not my friends. So I'm connecting with another part of myself. So basketball and connection go hand to hand. But then again, you just asked me a great question. So I guess I would say connection and then basketball came and then poetry came. Um, I realized I started writing poetry when I was in about grade six. However, before that, when I was really young, I would scribble things. I would just scribble on anybody else. But I realized something. 
maybe that's where it started as well. You gave us a lot right there, but grade one. So what made you, first of all, let's go back to the basketball thing. Okay. How did you know that you were even interested in playing basketball? Like what inspired that, that idea or like where did that come from? Like why did you want to play basketball? So what I think of is my siblings, but then also what I think of is Lauren, um, Flemington, how it was just, I was, and I guess it was that magnet, but it was very common in my childhood. It was a a very common thing to see. And I guess, of course, you had um, other things like um, other sports which I did like other sports as well, but I never really told anybody that. For instance, I actually loved swimming. <laughs> so it's funny. I actually loved swimming and I actually thought at one point in my life that I would be a professional swimmer, but that was really young. But it was basketball. And I actually did play hockey, but I didn't share that too much because I was ashamed of it because I was the only girl playing. And I actually loved being on the ice. But then there was something that... I guess it's just, right now it's just more than words can describe. I just, it was just something I seen it and I just was attracted to it or it was drawn to me as well, which I learned years later. Wow. And you, you're the youngest in your family. Yes. And so I guess that kind of makes sense that if yes. they're all doing that, then it only makes sense that you kind of follow in your older siblings steps as far as, you know, wanting to be like them or, or being a part of that? Being a part of that is, is yes, exactly. Because even my story with basketball, and this is one way I can um, speak on one of my siblings, the one who was two years older than me. One thing when I was younger, what we shared was him always beating me, him always beating me in basketball. Like I remember him always blocking my shot and sending it so far, I was so like, I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh. And then fast forward years later, when we got on the court and um, playing one-on-one and I finally be- beat him. And as well, you talk about siblings. I mean, <laughs> like, I, like we never said this specifically, but you lived right across the street from me. Yeah. We went to the same center. So a lot of that came from you as well. So just people around me, my siblings and and them being a, a part of it, but not only my immediate, not, even, not only my blood siblings, but the people in the neighborhood and some people who I may not even speak to now, but they share that part of me because those days on the court and some of them, some of them, some even passed away. And I'll, I'll never forget those moments in jungle, the Lawrence Heights community area where basketball was, um, was home for me. Wow. Being the youngest, right? Like what were some of the, your most memorable moments or experiences that if you were to think back on it in this moment right now would put a smile on your face? Can you describe some of those moments? When you do have siblings, um, sorry, excuse me, moments around the table, like the dinner table, like whether it was, um, Christmas or something. Okay. We usually had those moments in particular special um, events. Okay. The laughter, she, she was a comedian. So that's something I got from her. My older sibling named Karima, known as Sarima. Nice. Uh, so the laughter came from her. 
where we would just be around the table laughing and my dad would get so mad. So that's what she gave me. And then another moment was um, the oldest, my oldest sibling, Tasha, she gave me music. And in each way, some of them did. So for her, I want to know about Mary J. Blige or Michael Jackson or Chico DeBarge or, or Joe or um, what's his name? John B. What? Or Sade. <laughs> I know that because of her. And then now you go to the next sibling who's four years older than me, um, Chris. I wouldn't have known, known about Wu-Tang. I wouldn't have known about Method Man. And then you go to the next one, Kevin, um, which is Serena's twin. He gave me Capone and Noriega. And then you go back to the one who's two years older than me, who I had, who I had met the moment I mentioned the moments about basketball. Right. We both love Tupac. So, for instance, <laughs> not too many people know this, but we would listen to the songs. Like when Bathurst was open, we would go play basketball in the morning, but we would be playing until the end of times. And another thing we would do was when we were walking from Wilson and Dufferin to um, Yorkdale or Lawrence um, Jungle, we would freestyle. But I never really told anybody that. So what my siblings gave me is I called them my first TV because they taught me right and wrong, if that's what you want to call, me, call it. But they showed me what, what out there is like. And it was squeezing each and every one of them. Right. And whether it was good or bad, it was a jewel. Right, right, right. And I, I can definitely see that because I can relate to that as far as learning from not just your surroundings, but the people that you spent the most time with. Yes. Now, how, in what ways do you think all those things that they gave you, whether it's through music or just your interactions on a day-to-day basis, what are some of the things that you think actually helped shape your character today to become the person that you are? There's a thing about connection. Um, things may happen physically between you and another person. And what you carry with you is important. So you can, you have a choice. You can sit there and hold grudges and harbor it, or you can try to make peace with yourself. So in a way, and I just realized this too, they teach me about unconditional love or just letting go of things and not only remembering people for the things you want to remember them for. They taught me how to be tough. I mean, <laughs> I remember my sibling, Kevin, when he used to punch me. <laughs> <laughs> he used to sing. <laughs> it used to sting. And, um, and then with my other sibling, Kano, he had this thing where he always reminded me that don't wait for somebody like the quote you said you're you're naturally beautiful so you don't need to tell anybody to tell you that because growing up i always would question that right so he was kind of like that voice 
in my head. And regardless of any discrepancies, that is one thing that I, that can't be touched. And you, you mentioned unconditional love. When you actually said that, I'm, I'm curious to know what thought ran through your head as you were saying that? What image did you relate that to? And how does that look like for you? Unconditional love is one of the things that I value deeply because it means you can embrace somebody not based on, okay, thank you. I don't embrace them because they're my siblings and we grew up in the same household. Yes, they gave me things physically and internally, but I embrace them because they're being. They just happen to be one of the very first few to teach me that. And I'm learning that even more as I express this. So right now I'm actually having a moment because I thought it was friends. And that's the thing. My siblings made me realize I thought that I was looking for something in my siblings. So I try to find it in my friends. But as I sit here and I express this to you, it's being able to embrace somebody, whether or not they embrace you back. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to allow somebody to walk all over you, but how you carry yourself is not determined by what they give you or what they don't give you. And it's something for me, it's something that I'm trying to master and not master in a sense where I'm trying to be perfect. No. So, yeah, I hope I answered your question. No, no, you answered it. It's just, I think it's very powerful how you stated that. Right. Um, and I hope, I hope people listening that you got, you got that right. Unconditional love is receiving what you think you're worth. Thank you for that. That was, that was really powerful. I want to push forward a little bit more if you don't, if you don't mind and ask you how important is a support system? Like having a support system, how important is that for anybody that's kind of going through life? It is extremely important, extremely important. Um, and the reason why I say that, because if you're in your head, like I'm in my head, you, you hear voices or there's, there's that voice that says you can do this. And there's that voice that says you cannot do this. Now, if certain things are not put into place real early, whether you get it from, um, within your household or you don't see it in your house, or you're not able to identify it, then it will be a rocky road for you. Now, if you're not getting it from outside your household or you're getting it from somewhere, it's that one thing that's nudging you saying, don't worry, you can. Even when it looks a certain way, you can. However, it's nudging you and telling you you can. And at the same time, you making the connection and understanding. It's great to have these sources, these rainbows. I like to say rainbows, like my Angela said, or these beings, these lights, but also once again, it comes back to internal. So that is the support system right there. You believing you can, because you've been telling me many years that I can do things in your own way. And it's funny because 
I always find myself, I'm like, oh my gosh, he said that. And, and things, it's like he, he's a prophet or something because <laughs> he'll say, you're going to, what if you end up in this situation? How would you feel about it? And I'm just like, I'm not ready for that. What are you saying right now? Are you trying to crush my dream? <laughs> and then when I get to a place where I'm able to receive things differently, because that personal development that I started to try to work on, yeah. then that support system actually grow stronger. So it's, 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 it's very important for me because then it goes back to what I said to you before and you asked me about a quote and you said, we're going to come back to that. And this is how we come back to that naturally because we'll get back into basketball as I say this. One of the biggest struggles for me was I was asking for someone to believe in me more than I believed in myself. But more importantly, I was asking for somebody to believe in me who couldn't see what I see. So if someone can't even see the vision, how are they going to believe in what you have? And it's not to say that they're a bad person. It's just you're not speaking the same language. So how can you even connect? So you find yourself going further and further away from yourself. But then you have individuals in your life that stick with you and remind you, okay, it doesn't look like this, but what if the jewel was something else? Right. So you mentioned you mentioned something that's that's key throughout your your response to my question but i'm i'm curious you said receive now how how does one you know learn to be able to receive information like what is what does that mean when you say receive information so that they can actually you know move forward and pass whatever it is that's kind of holding them back how do you receive information what does that mean can you elaborate a little bit on that you receive with information when you, you become more open. You become more open and you also become more interested in learning. You're just learning about anything. Right, right. And also for me, honestly, um, finding something to embrace. I, I'm very, very big on gratitude. Not because of what it gives me. Not because of what... So either way, when it comes to life, everything is getting recycled. So no matter what you're going to get, but not doing something to get. So when I, when I say gratitude, there's just something about that aroma and then things happen, but you receive when you say, when you say really your actions, I'm willing to learn and, and I'm ready to be free. Or you hit that point where you just say, I want change. In some way, whatever change it is, I want change or I want to change the outfit I'm wearing or right. I want to change the way I see myself right. or something else. Right, right. Because I remember um, I saw a clip, an interview clip of uh, Bruce Lee. And <laughs> um, I never forget this. This is a vivid image. Like I, I, It's one of those things I just can't let go. And they, the interviewer asked him, you know, how often do people approach him about him teaching them or being their master because they want to learn and be like him? And his response was amazing. It's so simple. But what he did was, you know, during the interview, he had a glass of water and so did the interviewer. And so he said, imagine your cup has Pepsi or Coke or whatever your favorite drink in there. And mine has water. You want some of my water. And I turn around and I tell you, 
Okay, before I can give you some of my water, I need you to empty out your cup. And you turn around and you say, no, but this is my favorite drink. I don't want water. I just want my drink. But then he says, how can I teach you or how can you learn if you're not willing to let go of all your old tendencies? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's what came to mind to me when you said receive, because everybody wants to receive something, but they're not willing to make space yeah. within themselves or whatever capacity they're in to be able to receive that. Yes. Whether it's yeah. knowledge, information, anything. Right. Yeah. We like to, you know, hang on and hoard our old habits and not let any of it go because that's who we are. That's what we believe. Right. People shouldn't yeah. change. But I always say, if you're not changing, then you're not growing. And if you're not willing, like you said, if you're not open to growth and learning something new, then you're not going to grow. Right. So thank you for sharing that. Now, you also mentioned Maya Angelou. That's a legend right there. Mm-hmm. How does she influence you? Wow. When did I you remember... first of all, wait, sorry. When did you when did you come across Maya Angelou? When did you hear of her? When did you hear about her or of her? I believe I heard of Maya Angelou um, when, um, when I was really young. But when I really, when it really hit me, when I was in college and I read, I know why the cage bird sings. And I read her story. And for one, um, I like to take things and switch it. So she said, I know why the cage bird sings. And I looked at what, why was the bird caged or what is, what is singing? Right. I looked at that and I played with that and she did that as well. But um, the thing about her story was somebody who goes through so much, but yet can still have peace and, 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 um, and I guess you want to say love. Right. And cause even when she was young, she, she, she was dealt, she experienced something very horrific. She was taken advantage. She was raped. And um, when something happened to the perpetrator, the person who raped her, she didn't speak because she understood how powerful words were. Wow. So that took me somewhere because it's like she almost felt for that person. Wow. And then when, when her teacher um, gave her something to write in, so the idea that she had a support system in her life that said, okay, I understand how you articulate. Maybe this may be one way you can articulate. You're not speaking. So how about you start writing? So then that gave her another opportunity to develop another tool. Right. So it's just how she impacted me is just somebody being able to go through adversity and not say, poor me. And her relationship with her mother, um, the last book I read of hers was, I believe it's mom, me. And, and I, I remember one thing in the book where she's like, my mom was, my mom was piss poor at raising me when I was young. And I, and forgive me if I'm not saying it word for word, but basically raising young children, but as an adult or as I got older, she, she was, she was everything. She taught me a lot. So to be able to have that shift, that connection, that's what stuck with me. And also she, she's artistic. She can sing, she can dance. But the thing that amazed me more is 
I knew Maya Angelou as a poet and as a teacher, as a professor and somebody who can articulate. But when I read her story, you got, I was criticized. I was told I was too big. I was this and that, my voice, how I looked. And it was just like, okay, this humbled me even more because in one eye, one perspective, you're given this idea that this perfect person never experienced anything. Right. But yet on one end, somebody didn't, somebody was, they didn't like this person or her ability, her, her ability to write or create. She was um, on set of something and her work was not being publicized because of either her color or because she was a woman. So even being in that nature and she didn't go, she didn't leave the set. She stayed there. So just being able to be humble, little things that I try to master. Wow. Um, that's how she stuck with me. And of course, um, I won't deny the fact um, I don't, I didn't ignore her color as well because growing up, I was given many messages. You're a woman, you're black automatically you're less in some way. Right. Right. So when I see um, examples of people doing that, not to say that I need it, but I, I embrace it. Right. I embrace it. Wow. Thank you for that. Wow. Did, did she influence your writing as a poet or did someone else actually influence your writing before you came across Maya? Like, how did you get started in saying, I'm going to start writing poetry? I don't remember how I got started. I just remember it was grade six. I was writing. And I, I remember that I was writing poetry or just pieces. And then I remember the first time I heard Foxy Brown broken silence. And I wrote, like, my first song. And then from there, I, I told, I, in my head, I got into rapping. Uh, so, so hip hop and rap introduced poetry to you. Yes, indirectly. I would say that. Indir of course, because even, 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 um, even movies, I love movies. But one of the reasons why I love movies is because the music in the background. Now, even though it may be a piano sound that I never thought I would write to while writing to now, fast forward now, but I've always was drawn to soundtracks. I may not know the name of the artist, but when that beat comes on or that instrumental comes on, there's just something what it does to my heart. Wow. So you become a poet years later and you start telling your own stories, similar to Maya Angelou, if I might, if I might say. And yes. you published Tears Before the Rain. Yes. What does that mean to you, that book, Tears Before the Rain? First of all, why the title? <laughs> um, like you said, um, my way of writing my story. So it's pieces. I'm a camera. I'm a ca I like to say that I'm a camera. I like to take pictures with words. So wow. when I see something, I capture it with words. Anything that happens, like, for instance, um, I was on the bus and a little girl was in a stroller, but I address her as flower and she's saying, hi doggy. But the dog, I can't see the dog, but she's talking to the dog and she's waiting for the dog's attention. But what caught my, caught my eye, which will be in a piece is as she's coming off the bus, her stroller hits somebody's item 
I heard this little voice say, sorry. It wasn't the father or the guardian. It was her. So stuff like that, I will snap and I will write about. Dope. Dope. And then there will be something that I experienced personally. And I will write about it. So Tears Before the Rains are pictures in my life at a certain time. And at that time, a lot of stuff was written when I... What does the book mean to me? It meant a lot to me because at first I didn't want to share my story with anybody. So what made, what made you? Like what triggered you to say, you know... Honestly? Yeah. It goes back to that support system. And that's why when you open the book and before you even get to certain names... Or certain, I don't, I don't, I don't mention specific names when I, when there's a certain page in the book, what it's, I would call it my thank you or whatever. I mentioned certain words, but before you get to that page, there's specific names. And it was those people, you are one of them that said, share this with the world. Who cares what they think? So honestly, it was, it was you and those other people. And there was one girl I went to school with and she says, Toronto, because when I was going to school in America, um, my last two years in North Dakota, they would call me Toronto. And she would say, Toronto, I'm waiting for the book. All she would say is that. So I took that and then I took what you would say to me. How do you know? Just put it out there. And then I took what another artist would say to me named Lisa that I met when I was working at Good Life. She would say, just get it out there. I look forward to reading your book. So it was it was my support system. Wow. So the support system was not necessarily coming from the home. It was not necessarily no. coming from a group of besties that you had since, you know, junior high. No. And literally, they come and go and come and go. And some stay longer than others. But that's the beauty of support systems. You can get them from anywhere. You can get a support system from someone you've never met. Right. Like it's it's no different from reading a quote or hearing someone do an interview that's a celebrity or somebody that's, you know, out of your reach, but they inspire you. And all of a sudden you're like, you know what, I'm drawn to that statement they made. And if you have to go back to that statement and it helps you get through a difficult time, I think that, again, becomes a support system. Yeah. Right. And and so yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that there's so many different people that helped you um make this thing a reality and i'm honored to know that i was one of those people um that was able to inspire that that action in you to do that oh thank you thank You're you now i want to i want to share bits and pieces of one piece from the book okay and then i want to ask you where well let me let me first let me share it so this the title for this first piece is uh, called Shy. <laughs> and it opens with, Timid is written all over her body language. Wants to be the hidden cucumber in the Subway sandwich. So I'm going to stop right there. Timid is written all over her body language. Why? She's afraid. And I remember that piece was pieces of that piece. And if you go further, you'll, you'll, you'll come out more. I was, I, so I had, there's the word shy. Yeah. I was given that younger when I was really young, afraid of how I look or 
they may not like me. And that was the whole reason why I was hesitant to release the book. They may not like this. So you can see it in my body language, even if I don't even say it. It's wow. either a sweat, it's either a shake, it's either a tremble, or it's even being silent. So that's even the part, that's even the irony of this. It's hidden, but yet it's right in your face. Wow. I'm going to touch on that because it tells you about pieces of my life. I don't eat Subway like that right now. But back then, I love cucumber in my Subway sandwich. So like I said, I like to take things and put them somewhere else. Right. So you don't see the cucumber when you get that Subway sandwich. Right. So in that same piece, I like this piece. And there's a reason why I'm asking you about this specific piece. Um, you also say, way too worried about doing her best. Don't get all off her chest. The audience doesn't make it seem like a slight brush. She starts to rush. At the end, a little crush. So walk me through that, please. So this idea of what perfection looks like or what you, you gotta you gotta do. You're too worried about you're too worried about impressing. You're too worried your your focus is shifted and um it's not at the core in some way. And then you, you finish and you're like, oh, man, I didn't I didn't say what I wanted to say. And when I say I didn't say what I wanted to say, I don't necessarily mean verbally. I'm talking about internally. Right. Because that's what it became for me after. Right. Well, so that's where you get crushed because it's just like, yeah, you did it. But did you really do it? Uh, OK, so there's another piece that I, I was looking at. And that one was entitled Patience. Right? Do you remember that one? Roughly. If not, Roughly. don't worry. Don't worry. I'm yes. going to read it and then see if it, if it triggers anything. Perfect. There's a reason why I want to share this one, too. Um, this one is a short one, so I'll read the whole thing for the listeners so that you can keep up with us here. The hidden drink that time quenched. I told her that it is that essential ingredient. For that zesty meal that will give the body strength. It's either I'm waiting in line. It's raining. Nike flip-flops getting wet. It's late. I'm going to be late. Can you relate? The 60 hasn't come yet. Wish I would see the express. See continuously crying. I'm consistently falling disappointment walks in covers me up in this dark paint pain spreading through the room and time watching me while it spins where did that piece come from it comes from exactly my experience in a sense where i wanted things to happen a certain way so i i felt this burning sensation, but how I was able to, um, I guess it's therapy for me. How I was able to make connections is I take bus. And back then I believe I was working at good life. Probably. No, sorry. That was before good life probably or whatever, but I was taking the bus. So I, I put you in an experience where you are waiting in line 
and you're waiting for the bus to come or you're waiting for something to happen and it's not coming and you, you can experience that yourself or whether you're at the grocery store or something and you just want things to happen so fast. But it's like you rushing or you carrying on, does that make it come any faster? No. Does that really give you what you want or what it took you, what it took out of you? So I was able to um, paint that and understand that just chill and there's something in this. Wow. And, and that's the, sometimes that's the gift itself. So you're trying to get to your destination, but you're not embracing what's, come, what's in the process. Right. Right. And it's, it's just really about waiting doesn't mean you're like, oh, my, waiting. And it doesn't mean you're waiting and not doing anything. Because clearly you can see that I'm not, even when I'm standing at the bus stop, I'm doing something because I'm writing. Right. <laughs> it may look like I'm not doing anything, but you're just finding something to do. But it's, it. it's just being able to, being able to wait and not rush. So today, in your skin today, as we're having this conversation, I'm uh, I'm interested to know how do you feel about that word shy, and the other word patience. What do they mean to you now? Are you still a shy person, um, as you were back then? Have you made progress in not being so shy anymore? Let's start with those two questions first. Are you still shy? No, I don't think shy is something I am. I think maybe it's something I may have shy tendencies, not something I am. And yes, I've grown from way back then. What were some of the key moments where you felt like, you know what, this experience allowed me not to be shy hmm. anymore? Um, I remember one experience when I was in college and we were in a group. It was in a class, a psychology class, and we were having a discussion and there was a classmate of mine who was talking about something. And there was a voice in my head that said, how may she react? And when I asked her the question, it forced her to think and she got uncomfortable. And at the end of it, I wasn't doing it for anything. But the thing that came at the end showed me something. When my professor wrote to me and said, um, what you did today was, was really good. You, you pulled her out of that seat. So that was one moment. And another moment was um, <laughs> being on stage. The first time I was on stage, um, it was September. It was in September. On stage, sorry, on stage doing what? Reading poetry or something no, else? No, I, um, I, was, I was asked to be a part of a song, and I had a piece in the song with Odario. Oh, okay, okay. That's most recently, I think. No, this was, so I'm telling you about the first one. The first one was last year. Okay, no, I'm going to stop you there because we're going to yes. spend some time on that portion of it. Okay. Right, so I'm going to get to that. I appreciate you bringing that up because that's very important. So now I got a small segment in my show here. I got a small segment I like to call Thinking Out Loud. Now, I'm going to ask you a question that is not even related to our conversation. Right. And, and on the fly, I want to see if you can give me your thoughts out loud the moment you hear the question. Unfiltered, as it comes to your mind, you spit it out for the rest of us to hear. Okay? Great. All right. What's the worst piece of advice you've ever been given? You're not good enough. Ooh. Talk about that. Funny. 
it's not it's not something that came from somebody else. It's the advice I gave myself. And the reason why and and yeah, there's I don't even need to put it anyway. It's a tape that played that I'm not good enough, so it just stopped me from doing a lot of things. So this is something that you told yourself at one point. Of course. Wow. And so it's just a constant reminder to this day or have you gone past it, that? It comes and goes, but it's not as strong. Or it's not it's not a stop sign. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for that. So I want to get us back to where we were. Um, well, we're going to lead into where we left off. Okay. Um, and I want every parent or kid out there that hears the segment clearly. Um, it's critical information that we're sharing with them. It's personal information, personal stories and, and experiences um, that I think we can all get something out of it. Whether you think, you know, you're too old for advice or you're too young and you know everything in the world and things like that, you can never, ever, ever stop learning um, from others or yourself, right? And the people that you surround yourself with, okay? Um, how long have you been playing basketball for, to be specific? I want to kind of catch people up who are just now tuning in um, so that we can move into the next segment that we left off before the break. 20 plus years. Wow. And and what has the game provided for you? Would you like if you had to summarize that in maybe three to four words, how would you describe what basketball has given you? It was a, it's a tool and the stage has given me the opportunity to connect with myself and results being able to connect with someone else. So how else are you involved in basketball? right now like currently so i i still play and i train others as well and um i use it as a way to um address personal issues like that voice that says you can't or like that voice that says i need somebody else's approval so it's it's also an educational tool because the experiences you have on the court or what I had on the court are things that help mold me or help guide me. And in a way it also helped me off the court to interact with people, to not jump to conclusions, to not always take things personal and just to stop and examine. And also how I tackle something like when I'm trying to master a certain move, repetition, repetition but also the voice that's playing in my head while I'm doing repetition, or am I just doing this to master the mood? So people can say she's good. So they can say that I'm good because I, I got this much points or am I doing this because I just love to do it. And um, the idea of just trying to find that place where I'm free. So I was trying to find a certain place in basketball or release a certain energy and along the way, I discovered me and I discovered a new outfit for fair. And then off the court, that helped me with another thing that I love, art, which is connecting with music, poetry, rapping. I want people to listen to that because a lot of parents out there 
and they have kids that are into sports like basketball, soccer, gymnastics, anything, extracurricular activities, whether they play uh, the keyboard or a guitar or into music, vocals, anything that your child is into. To you, it might either seem like it's one of two things or three things, I should say. One, oh, I need to get my kid into something to occupy their time. Two, I need them to be really, really, really exceptional at this so that they can be, you know, our way out of our financial situation. Or three, my kid just loves doing this and so they can keep doing it as long as they want. But I often see that it's two. A lot of parents push their kids into things because it's an outlet and an escape financially for them potentially and or um, they just do it to occupy their kids because they need some time for themselves. And unfortunately, those two tend to often, you know, end really bad for that kid when they become an adult. Yeah. Right. I found that they, they tend to hate the sport or that thing deeply. Yeah. Right. And in some cases, there's resentment towards their parents that then, you know, really damages that relationship because that pressure of you got to do this i'm driving you to this practice and why are you not performing they're on the sideline to be your support but they give you the voice of someone who is not on your team and not realizing this kid is probably just rebelling against their parent knowing that this would upset the parent yeah right so it's 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 a fine line and i'm glad you mentioned that the game allowed you the space to find who you are. Yeah. Right. And I'm thinking about some of these kids out there that are into sports or any other extracurricular activities that could become a professional thing. If they're experiencing that. Any parents out there that's listening, do you think you're that parent? And if you are, do you have a mirror that we can look into to see how we can change that? Yeah. Are we going to have conversations with our kids about what's going on and who's this really for? Because I've also watched a lot of documentaries about sports and athletic kids and they get these horrific injuries early at 17, 18. Yeah. Because of the rigorous training and, and, and not really being able to take care of their body the right way. Yeah. You know, so I'm glad you mentioned that. And. If you can shed some light on what you think some of the pitfalls are being a professional in one field or another, like for you, it's basketball. But what goes through your mind when you get an injury? Can I just touch on one of the biggest injuries that that um, that really um, had an impact on me? Yeah. So 2012, I tore my ACL and. Before I actually tore it completely, I had I was playing a um a league and I went up and when I came down I was wobbling on one leg. However, I was able to walk up the court. Now, I believe that was on a Saturday. And then Monday comes around, I'm in another league. So I'm like, I gotta go to my game. That was in my head, I have to go to my game. But my body wasn't a hundred percent. So I'm exercising, dynamic exercises in the hallway before the game starts. First half starts. I'm still not into it. Second half, second half comes, 
and I make that layer for something because I was waiting for that as well. I'm like, okay, I'm into it. I'm on defense. I'm in defense position in a squat position. And the opponent, the person on offense goes one direction and I go the other direction. And I heard a sound and I knew it was it. Now, the thing that was hard for me because people keep telling you about ACL injury. They made it seem like it was the worst thing in the world and you cannot bounce back. I remember um, I did take the bus home that day. But what I remember the most is I was lying on the ground and I was mad. Now, on the outside, to you, it's like, oh, my gosh, he's in so much physical pain. No. I was in internal pain because the voice in my head is like, F, 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 oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I can't play. That's what I was going through. So fast forward, went to the doctor, got an MRI, he confirmed it, and he said to me, when you play basketball, you will not play basketball the same. You can't do this. You won't be able to do this. You won't be able to do that. Now he's telling me what he's supposed to tell me. But in that moment, I cried. I felt crushed. I went home and um, I don't know if it was a few days or so, but then there was some shift where it's just like, let me just focus on the process. And I became more interested in the process rather than you have this injury, you're not going to be the same. And that's, that's, and the ACL injury became a big gift for me because during that point, when it came to lifting, working out, taking care of my body, I didn't want to do certain things for my body because I felt my legs were too big. But when I went through the ACL injury, I understood the importance of stretching, the importance of just maintenance. So you have this knee or this kneecap, and you are telling yourself you're going to put pressure on that. How do you relieve pressure from that? You got to strengthen the area around it. Now, I'm not just talking about the quad or the hamstring. I'm talking about your glutes, your back. What you basically just told everybody listening is you better bet on yourself. No way for somebody else to bet on you. Exactly. Exactly. And and it's funny how you, 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 you opened with a quote and it always comes back to that. And that's, and that's all it is. The connection, the connection and how you like what I, what I've learned is how you see yourself is so important. And and that's what I constantly got from playing basketball. And like I said, I said it before, I was so caught up in how my friends would see me or the girl who's guarding me, who's my friend would see me. And there are times like I was in a situation, I went to America, I went to a, a camp and at this camp, there was WNBA coaches. I would never forget that camp. And I'm at this camp, and you have this girl who's defending me. And they're raw. She says straight up to me, she's like, you ain't going nowhere. You ain't going nowhere. You ain't shit. Excuse my language. And if you, if you, don't, have, if you don't have the stomach or if you, don't build your, if you don't bet on yourself, then information like that, you will take it and it will flood your whole system. It will pollute you. Now, then the po- there's another way to look at that. Okay. Some will fuel off of that because some like that energy. And then another person will take it as, okay, that's not my baggage to hold. Right. Right. And that's why it was so important for me because I knew, I knew the first option. 
taking that and internalizing that. I knew what that would do to you. And that was another thing that has made me so committed to basketball. So while I was working on myself, trying to release this thing, interesting, I was discovering other things, but only because I was open or more open. To receive. Yeah. To receive. And perception and perception. Yeah, change your perception of yourself. Change how I see myself or how anything else looks to me. Right. Because... The only thing that matters is how outnumbered. So it's not a matter of like they measure greatness on so many things. But if you don't believe in yourself, it doesn't matter. And right. that's what I always try to emphasize because I am the example or I was, excuse me, the example. Right. Got to bet on yourself. You got to bet on yourself. Now, I want to switch from the basketball stage onto the performance stage. Okay. So the most recent project that I got the privilege of hearing that you were a part of is the artist Odario's project, Good Morning Hunter. Yes. So you alluded to it before we went on break. And please walk me through how did you get involved with Odario, first of all, and how did you get on that project? What was that process like? How I got involved with Odario is it met through the place that I was working at. I was working, I, I, I work for this company, CSSC, Toronto Sports Social Club. We still play whatever sport. So while Dario was playing in the league, I was at the door. And through that encounter, it just started with, have a good game. What did you embrace today? And then one moment I said, you know what? <laughs> I got this book. Do I tell him to buy, do I ask him to buy it? But he's not going to buy it. But then it's like, you never know. All you got to do is just ask. That's it. And that was a, that was um, therapy for me, just asking and not expecting anything. Oh, wait. So, so you, you wait, wait, you were basically telling about tears before the rain. Tears before the rain. Sorry. Yes. Thank you for. Yeah. Tears so, before the rain. So you told him you were trying to figure out, OK, do I just tell him to buy this book because I have it and it's mine and I'm proud of it? And or should I not? We, should, yeah. Or not even ask him. Oh. The debate was, do I ask him to buy it? No, he's not going to buy it. He's not going to buy it. Why would, why would he buy it? And this is but what then, you were telling yourself. Of course. Yeah, of course. Okay. Always. Okay. Awesome. So that's why, that's why the process with that book you asked me before, and I won't stay on this too long, yeah. what was just before the rain to me, that was another part of the process. Being able to ask people, say, hey, um, I just need a moment of your time. Would you be interested in buying my book? No. And then just keep it moving. Or sometimes not even worrying about hearing their answer. So... So I want to interject for a moment, just a moment, and then you can continue. Now, this is critical. And I think that's this is super powerful because this is what a lot of people don't do and they're afraid to do is ask for what they want. Yes. Right. A lot of people are afraid to ask for what they want or what they think they deserve. Yeah. And it goes back to if you listen to, I mean, a basketball reference, you listen to the Kobe's and Michael Jordan's and the Larry Bird's and everybody else, you know, they'll tell you if you don't take a shot, if it's a shot that's never been taken. Right. It's a missed shot or it doesn't even count like you. You can't say whether you made you would have made that shot or or you would have missed it. You can't debate it. Right. Like it only matters if you take the shot. And what happens after that? doesn't matter right and then they say people who have uber confidence in themselves 
will continue to take the shot even after they miss their first, the last 10. Right? They're still going to want the ball to take the 11th shot. Yeah. Disregarding the fact that they just missed 10 in a row. So that moment just reminded me of that where even though you had your little debate, you still took your shot. Yes. And that shot is what we're about to talk about with this project. Good morning, Hunter. So you featured on a few records, Reprise and Disastro. Yes. What was Reprise like? How did that come to, to life? You get, you hear the beat. He tells you, he, he came to me and he proposed the idea, but he proposed the idea at the same time, the two, the two songs at the same time. Oh, okay. Yeah, he proposed, he's like, you know, I'm working. At first he gave me the beat and I was, I was struggling with it at first. And then fast forward a few months later, I get them, I, I, I start to pay attention to them again. And the process for me is I get the instrumental and I just play it and then I become one with it. But automatically, you have that voice that says, nah, you can't write to this. It's a little bit different than what you would pick than a Joe Budden, one of my favorite um, artists, or something like that. It's different. So you can't write to this. So anyways, you quiet that voice down, and then you just start writing. And that's, once again, take the shot. Just write. And then the other thing is, what if he doesn't like it? Nope, just write. Now, disaster, it's funny because, and I believe it's disaster. It's either one. One of those pieces, Odario had posted a picture on Instagram. And I looked at the picture and I just wrote what I saw. This was, this was probably a year ago. Oh, wow. But the crazy thing is, part of that ended up in disaster. I believe it's disaster. I believe it ended up in disaster. Yeah. And that's, and, and once again, they connect because when he tells people what, when he talks about the story, how we met and, and what drew him to me, he said, she saw something, a picture that I just posted. And, and when he tells the story, there's more jewels to it because basically it was a picture that he wasn't even going to post. It was an old picture. Mm-hmm. And he said, I just post this. And when I wrote it, I sent it to him and that blew him away. And he's like, yeah, I got to get her on something. And that was it. And that, and, and yeah. So the just when you think made. that, some, yeah. And just when you think that, you know, something is nothing, it's more than what you think. Right. So during this process of creating this, this album, right. With, with him and all the musicians that were involved, by the way, it's a beautiful project. I, I I've listened to it numerous times. If you, don't know who this artist is i want you to actually look him up you can find him on spotify on uh deezer or apple music any of those platforms you'll find him odario is a sorry let me correct that odario is o-d-a-r-i-o right look it up the project is good morning hunter you gotta check it out i mean it's it's music it's it's jazz it's got blues feel to it and it's definitely hip-hop right so if you're a hip-hop head if you're just a musician someone who loves music and 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 sound of music you have to check it out 
you're not going to be disappointed, right? So that's Good Morning Hunter. Make sure you check it out. Um, what I want to find out now is what did you discover about yourself during this process of recording and going to the live sessions and performing live with them? What did you learn about Angela? How much, for one, um, how versatile music is, how versatile an instrument is, and how what it means to me. I never thought I would be able to, I never thought I would be on a track in Congo. Um, I guess one of the things I discovered, and, and you told me this too, so this was a reminder, you just may never know what your, what your, your music can say. And you actually can, um, you can't, I can actually do something even though I'm afraid. Because in that moment when I was sitting there on stage, I was shaking like crazy. I was shaking. I was worried that people would figure it out in my voice. And with those two pieces, they were important to me because those were the first time that I ever performed a piece without a paper. It's about me blocking out that other voice. So what I discovered in another moment is I can block out that voice. So even when I'm in that process and I'm, I'm saying what I'm saying in my delivery, I was so in tune where the line just flew. And even if there was a moment where I felt like I was going to lose it, there wasn't even that. And it just, it was just flowing. So you couldn't control it anymore. It was just like, it had to come out. No, no. Wow. So wow. I guess, I, 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 I guess what I learned about myself is, um, um, what I have to say is, is it's, it's, it's bigger than me. And, um, what I learned about myself, I think I, I, information that I get, I just want to share it. And these are the outlets that I want to use to speak through. It's the place that I can speak because of connection with it. How do you remain so humble after all that you've accomplished? Why, like, why do you still remain so selfless? Because I would think that somebody who has accomplished what you've accomplished, being able to travel through basketball, being able to publish your own book and actually have people embrace and receive it, and then to be coaching and helping people with your psycho psychology you know, background um, through education, and then you're still connecting people and all these things the one thing that I keep getting is that you're just extremely selfless, which is beautiful, right? And and I've seen other people who have accomplished something similar or even less or greater, and they're not even scratching the surface, the surface of, of how humble you are. So what is it? Like, how do you remain humble, I should say? It goes back to gratitude. I'm just, I'm extremely I'm blown away by the process. How I see things has changed and what I measure as this or that. But <laughs> you asked me a great question and what I can go back to is just it's just grateful, grateful and no. And I, I find beauty in the littlest thing, the littlest thing. 
I can respect that. I can respect that for sure. Now, what's what's next for you? What would you say your next chapter is going to look like? Connecting more with music, sharing it with the world. Um, another book for sure. Awesome. Awesome. You hear that? I didn't say it. She said it. Another book is coming. Now, before we wrap things up, can you leave the listeners with a statement to guide them on their journeys? Anything? Any interaction is a powerful thing, big or small. The question is, when you get into an interaction with anybody, what are you willing to leave? It's just like footprints leave a crime scene or anything that leaves a crime scene. What are you willing to leave? And at the end of the day, whatever you leave, are you willing to live with it accordingly? So what are you willing to leave when you step into a moment? What are you willing, what are you willing to leave when you step into a moment? And what are you willing to embrace? I couldn't have said it better myself. So please let the people know how they can continue this conversation with you on any of the platforms. How can they reach you? You can reach me on Instagram at uh, Facebook, Alana Laws. Okay. Awesome. And make sure you cop that book, please. That's Tears Before the Rain. Um, follow her on Instagram and get more details on that. Uh, Gray Miles Publishing also has it listed on the website, so you can also get your copy there once we get it in stock and whatnot. So you can get the book when you want the book. All right. Just let us know that you want the book. Make sure you subscribe again. We want to thank you, Angelita, for being here with us. And um, I can't thank you enough. I appreciate the time. It's been a blessing. Thank you.